Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. If you are enjoying this podcast, please follow us using your favorite podcast software. Today's program is brought to you in part by the financial support of our listeners. You can support the show on a one-time basis through our PayPal link at support.greatdetectives.net. And I want to thank Catherine for supporting the program that way. You can also become one of our ongoing Patreon supporters for as little as $2 per month at patreon.greatdetectives.net. And I want to thank Dwayne for coming on board at the Detective Sergeant level of $7.14 or more per month. And Philip for coming on at the rookie level of $2 or more per month. Again, thank you so much for your support. Well, our celebration of the 110th birthday of, of Robert Bailey continues with yet another episode of Let George Do It. The original air date on this one is December the 2nd, not 1952, and the title is This Ain't No Way to Run a Railroad. Personal notice dangers my stock and trade. If the job's too tough for you to handle, you got a job for me, George Valentine. Write full details. What do you know? It's time for another visit with Valentine. George Valentine, that is. Now, he's the fellow who rents space in the personal columns of your paper, advertising the fact that when you bump into a problem a size too large, don't start taking brave pills. Let George do it. That's what Casey Foster did. He had a problem that was a beaut. You know what it was? He had a million bucks that he wanted to give away and couldn't find a taker. Now, I bet you're saying that that's not possible, but it is. And if the maestro will give me a downbeat, I'll have Mr. Foster read you his letter to George. Dear Mr. Valentine, my name is Casey Foster, and I have a very simple problem for you. I have a million dollars. I want to spend my million dollars. I practically want to give it to some people, but Mr. Valentine, they won't take it. They don't want it. So it seems to me there must be something rather wrong with those people, don't you think? You see, Mr. Valentine, this is where the track starts, the junction north of the Trula. Then, from there south, through Elmo Junction to Tula City. Then, down by the Davenport here to the link with the Sonora National... Wait a minute, wait a minute, please. You mean you've laid out these model trains like a real road? That's what I said. The Desert Central. I've never heard of it. (laughs) I'm not surprised. It's slightly smaller than the Union Pacific. Oh, but you will hear of it. You will. I have great plans for it. Mr. Valentine, that's what I want to buy. The real Desert Central. Oh, so you slowly begin to make sense, huh? 
Only buying something is a little different from giving your money away, isn't it? No, no, that's the strange part. It's really not so different. You see, I discovered that the asking price for the railroad, lock, stock, and barrel, is a little over 900000 That's been my ambition, Mr. Valentine, all my life, to own a railroad. Think of it all mine, from round now, house to... please. What happened, Mr. Foster? You try to buy this Desert Central or whatever it is, and they turn you down, is that it? I offered a million, way over the asking price... And it's supposed to be for sale, I know that. But all I got from them was a sort of a brush-off. What do you mean? Well, here. Read that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I see what you mean. Polite double-talk, huh? Who's this man, Sir Tuck? I don't know. He signed the letter, that's all. His office is in Chula City. He's apparently in charge. Well, maybe there are reasons why they don't want to sell, or maybe you didn't make it clear in your letter that you... Well, I wrote again, and this time they haven't even answered. No, no. Instead, they hired a private detective. They did what? Yes, now I'm being watched as though it were a crime to have a million dollars to interfere or pry into their little operation. Well, let me tell you something, Mr. Valentine. I'm driving down there to see those people in person. Tonight. You're going to follow me down. I haven't the slightest idea what's going on, but I mean to find out. Okay, I don't blame you. And whether they like it or not, we're going to buy that road. Do you understand? All my life I've wanted to own a railroad. Uh, This is my chance. And you're going with me to see that no one stops me. Say, did you ever hear anyone so determined about something as old man Foster is about spending his million dollars? I hope it's a good investment. Just like I hope you'll give a listen to this bit of advice. Well, let's get back and see how Mr. Foster is doing. So far, so good, I guess, because there's George and Brooksy following his car at full speed. Georgie, getting sleepy? No, I'm all right. Foster must drive at a pretty good clip, though. Well, he left half hour before we did. Yeah, well, going back to sleep, Angel. Nothing but cactus in these parts. Don't you want me to drive for a while? No. No, we won't be there until long after midnight. So you might as well get some sleep. George! Take it easy, it's all. Well, it's Foster. What? Yeah, there on the road. Valentine! Valentine, is that you? Yeah. What's the matter? You have a flat tire or something? No, no, there's nothing wrong. No, except you almost got run over, that's all. Well, I, I, I want to show you something. Most beautiful view I've, I've ever seen. Uh, get out, Miss Brooks. Uh, come over here. View? View of what? The black shadow of some black sand in the middle of a black desert? Oh, we're going coyote hunting, huh? Over there, in the moonlight. There, by the old abandoned siding. See? A freight train. That's the number two engine. Makes the night run. But it's a Malin with 40 A freight train with six boxcars. Parked in the middle of the desert. <laughs> Business must be good. Come on, it's cold out here, and we've still got some driving to do. But George, why? Huh? Why would they stop like that right out in the middle of nowhere? I don't know. Ask the expert. I don't know either. Okay, let's find out. Hey, hey you. Up there, 
the engineer. Well, would you look what climbed out of the prairie dog holes? A beautiful dame. You're the engineer of this streamliner? Or were you riding the rods, baby? Ought to be careful doing that, sister. Rattlesnakes will bite you. Look, smart Mister, boy. Mister, you want lefty. Go find him. Me? I'm just a fireman, brakeman, train guard, orchestra, and window washer. Substitute at that. This is a real big-time railroad. <coughs> Come on. You want him, I'll show you. Well, uh, we just He's wondered... back here if... someplace. Came back to look at a hot box. Hot box? There's your mystery. One of the back cars here, I guess. I should worry. I'm working on the middle part of this course. Listen, baby, I'll play it for oh, you. Oh, you don't have to. Oh, now, don't be like that. My name's Paolo. And the only reason anybody ever hires me is because I make such beautiful music. Listen. Oh, brother, this is a real fine railroad you want to buy, Mr. Foster. Well, maybe it isn't so efficient. Ah! But... <laughs> Sleeping again, huh, Si? Here, meet Si Ibri, folks. Lord of the caboose. Conductor, straw boss, meanest man this side. Thank you, Paolo. What do we stop for? Who are these people? Oh, excuse me, lady. Where till I get my shoes on? Oh, don't let us bother you, friend. Uh, see here, you run this train. I'd like to meet you. My name is Foster. I'm going to buy this line. You're what? Yes, spy it. He's nuts. Come in, come in. I've been asleep since Elmo Junction. Maybe I didn't hear you right. Excuse the appearance of things, lady. Oh, that's all right. Here, coffee's nice and hot. Have a cup. Holy smoke, mister, you mean it? You gonna buy this thing? Yes, that's my intention. You see... Well, I hope you understand about a man falling asleep. Trains stop so many times, you get so you don't notice. Lefty, he can take care of anything I can. Add a hot box on that 418 car. <laughs> blasted old equipment. How can they expect me to maintain a schedule? Here, have some cream, lady. Best coffee this side of Rock Island. Mm, just to cool it a little, thanks. But things would be different with some new management, I'm telling you. Foster, that's what you said, wasn't it? New blood. Well, well. Here, sit down, Mr. Foster. Wait a minute, all of you. If we walk from the engine to the caboose here, where's the engineer? Well, Paolo here says he's working on a hot box. Holy smoke, look what time it well, is. We must have walked past that car, 418. Where was he? <laughs> There's two sides to a train, mister. Yeah? Show me. George! Just lying there, out cold. Lefty! Get out of the way, mister. He looks dead in the door. Oh, he's all right, old timer. Take it easy. Yeah, I'm fine. Just great. Well, what happened? For heaven's sake, what happened? Lefty! Can you hear me? Oh, stop it. I'm all right. Get away from you. There's blood on your head, friend. Yeah. How'd it get there? Don't you know? No, a hot box. You come back here to... You trip. That's what you did. Here, see? Tripped on a tie and smacked your bean against the journal box. See where dirt's wiped off? Yeah, I guess that's all it was. Well, if you're all right, let's get rolling then. We still got a schedule to make. Yeah, and this thing's still frozen up tighter than a wet corset. No, no, no. Get away from me, mister. I'm all right. No, you're not. Stand still. What? Wait a minute. Yeah, yeah, here we are. What's the rock for? Lefty, you didn't fall. The blood's on the back of your head. What's that? And here's the rock that did it. Only the question is, way out here in the middle of the desert, who was holding the rock? It wasn't a coyote, that's a cinch. Hey, Mr. Valentine, you know there are stories and legends about railroads. In fact, this very line in the old days was supposed Mr. to happen... Mr. Foster, I don't want to be disrespectful, but any talk about a haunt on a railroad is just... Well, uh... <laughs> Anyway, 
All right, boys, the heck with the hot box. Just kick this car loose back on the old side. Kick it loose? Sure, let the morning run pick it up. Seal car, nothing but farm machinery. It'll be all right. I'll buy that. Let's get out of here. Me too. The sooner the better. What do you think, Mr. Valentine? What happened? I don't know. Nothing stolen, nothing touched. Just a man almost killed, and not even he knows. You sure you want to buy this railroad? I told you nothing will stop me. After all, this wasn't important. This couldn't have had anything to do with their not wanting to sell. You sure about that? The Desert Central, huh? Haunted railroad. Okay, Mr. Foster, come on. Let's see who's next to get hit by a ghost. You know what I'm hoping? I'm hoping that if that ghost has any rocks left, he'll use them on that harmonica player. I didn't like those remarks he made at Brooksy one bit. On the other hand, I do like what you're about to hear, and I know you will too. To George Valentine. The Desert Central Railroad. It isn't much, but it's worth a million dollars to your client, Mr. Foster. What it might be worth to an engineer who was slugged by no one out in the middle of nowhere is another matter. Yes, if your name is George Valentine, you may not buy the idea of a haunted railroad, but you'll agree it's a mystery why there should be so much trouble around the Desert Central, or even so much trouble buying it. Now, where is this Foster? We left him at the hotel, Mr. Sertak. We told the desk not to ring him this Oh, morning. you did. Well, that's very considerate. So you can come snooping around my office alone. You're in charge before... here at Tula City, aren't you? You own this so-called railroad. Oh, don't insult either one of us. I do not. Oh, yes, I'm the one who answered Foster's and letter. And the brush off, huh? Yeah, well, one thing at a time now, won't you? Now, my innocent friend, the banks, own this railroad just like they own practically every other broken-down short line in the country. The banks? Yeah. There's a little thing called receivership, my dear. It has nothing to do with the telephone company. I was given this infernal job by a banker in Chicago who told me there was a golf course in this town. Don't you understand? I'm just a hired hand sent here to do a job. Got enough problems without you acting like one. Uh-huh. Problems like Lefty getting slugged last night? Oh, yeah. I'll have to look into that, I suppose. I don't know what goes on down here. Are you and I are strangers in this part of the country, Mr. Valentine. All right, no, no. I'm not changing the subject. Road has a detective. I'll put him right on it. On this lefty incident, I mean. I think it's a good idea, but we already know about your detective. You, do, huh? you had him investigating Mr. Foster up in the city. Oh? <laughs> yeah. That's what you're down here early to find out about. Yes, yes, I did. My conscience got the better of me. I thought I'd better investigate, see if Foster was a real person, and if he was sane. Sane? I don't understand. This railroad loses $50,000 a year. Wow. Yes. 
is he? Unless a man were crazy or unless he had some other idea of how to make money on the road. People just don't buy into bankruptcy, do they? Yeah? So, blame me for being puzzled, Valentine. Mr. Valentine. Valentine, for the love of heaven, I'm a busy man. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Just watching the trains out there, that's all. Happen to notice they brought that car 418 in. What, George? Mr. Valentine, I am patiently trying to explain to yes, you. Yes, yes, I heard you all right. Why does my client want to own something that loses money? Yeah. Well, it just occurred to me there might be more ways than one to make money on the Desert Central. See you later. George. Phone force to get him down here, Angel, will you? I'll see you in a few minutes. Hey, Maestro. Hey, follow. Come here a minute, will you? Some railroad. They jab a flare into the side of a car. The heck with a fire hazard, huh? Look, Paulo, if I lighted a flare and jabbed it into the side of you, would you Hi, talk? Hi, mister. What's your trouble? I don't want to interfere with that musical bubble gum, but I'm curious. Sure, so am I. This is the same car, isn't it? 418? I noticed the burned-out flare, that's all, the spike. Well, they brought the car in all right on the morning run, if that's what you mean. Yeah, that's it. Morning run. Why'd you have a flare in next to the door in the morning? If there's one thing you don't need in the desert in the morning, it's more light. I like music. It's simpler. There was no flare here last night. I know that. So who tampered with the car during the night? Mister, you're crazy. Nobody tampers with anything in the desert except Gila monsters. Look, a car full of machinery, it'd take a crane to lift. Hey, hey, wait a minute. What are you driving at? Curious about the other side of the car, that's all. That flare would only be there from somebody loading it at night, wouldn't it? Yeah, but nobody's been in this car. Seal's unbroken on the other side, too. Just curious, that's all. Hey, this road goes on south, doesn't it? Ties in with the Sonora National. That's a Mexican line, isn't it? Yeah, that's where this load's going, I guess. How to make money on a railroad. Hey, wait a minute. You want to get through there? It's easier to go through the open box car here. Oh, yeah, thanks. The doors ought to be shut anyhow. Don't jump down there yet. Mm -hmm. Why not? I wanted to show you a new tune on my harmonica, that's oh, all. Oh, look, Buster. Yeah. Hmm. Hope it still plays all right. George? George? Hi, baby. Oh, it's you. I was looking for Mr. Valentine. He came out here a second Wait till I shut this car up. <sighs> Won't I do? Well, not exactly. Great, I haven't seen him, baby. Sounds like we're pulling out now. Sorry. Well, I'm sure he was right here. Save me an evening, will you, baby? that thing down, will you? You smell smoke? Sure. Put it down, I said. Oh, my mistake. How to hold an audience, huh? It's a gun, Mac. Okay, okay. Play your harmonica. See if I care. Don't worry about the smoke. There isn't any fire anymore. We're nice and comfortable on a siding now. On a siding? This is where I came in, isn't it? 
We had a hot box again, I suppose. The train shunted us off here and left us. I suppose. Okay, Buster, tell me something. If you wanted to give a car a hot box, you'd tamper with that thing out there you call a journal box, wouldn't you? I mean, if you threw sand or something into the journal box, isn't that the end of the bearing? Wouldn't that make it freeze up and lock or catch on fire or something? What's the name of that girl of yours? Huh? She's pretty. What are you going to do, open the door? Sure, why not? I don't like the air in here. Everything all right, Paolo? Sure, why not? It's all set, ready to roll. Sure. Oh, you got friends, huh? What's he been doing, fixing the hot box? That's all you have to do, isn't it? Let it cool off and change the packing or dump in some oil or something. Pretty view, ain't it? Boy, what a country. Yeah. Sunset, huh? I had a long sleep. Nothing else to do. What's over there in the gulch? A house? <laughs> no, just some friends. Building a fire to keep warm. Gets cold out here at night. Well, what are we waiting for? What are they waiting for? Okay, I'll tell you. A truck, maybe. Yeah, we're close to the highway again, aren't we? They're waiting to help load up this car with something besides farm machinery. Something from Mexico, maybe. And they're waiting to slap a fresh seal on this car after they load it. Search me? I just work here. Yeah, what's your job? You get rid of me? Or do you leave that up to the boss? Shut up. Listen. You hear your truck coming? I don't. Get back in the car. Oh, a train, huh? Well, that's more like it. They'll see us and stop and then... That you, Si? Sure, me. Hello, how's the sour belly? Who dropped you off? I got a schedule to maintain. What kind of a railroad? Hot box. Keep your shirt on. The night train will pick her up. So now I gotta waste time on you? The midnight run, I said. They told me the dispatcher'd have the midnight pick her up. All right, all right. Break up everybody's schedule. Wait up, Lefty! Let her roll! So you got rid of him. <laughs> that was your last chance, Mike. Sure, sure. But I'll tell you a funny thing about being in a car with farm equipment, though. Now, look. Don't get yeah. into That's enough music out of you for a while, Buster. Hey, Paolo, nice work. You got rid of number nine fast enough, huh? Paolo, you hear me? You all right? Oh, brother, where is that thing? I haven't played one since I was a kid. Paolo! Patrillo, forgive me. Why, it wasn't bad. Now what? Over here, other side. Cy Ebry, how'd you get here? Dropped off my caboose, what do you think? I'd better have a look around. That Miss Brooks of yours told me the number of that car, and when I noticed it... Don't mind that, get out of here. Holy smoke, Paolo. He's all right. It's getting dark, but let's stay on the other side of the car. What in the name of tarnation is this real... There's a gang over there waiting to load up this car, waiting for a truck. Truck? Yeah, sure, that's the whole idea. Give a car a hot box. It's dropped off. Truck comes along to add a load that's already on a bill of lading. Now, wait a minute, young fellow. Wait a now, minute. listen. How carefully did they ever check cars that switch over to the Mexican line just south of here? This road's got a good reputation, mister. Oh, I see what you mean. Customs only run a spot check. And when a car even has a seal on... Wait a minute. Headlights. 
Guess that's the truck coming now, huh? There'll be too many guys. We're not going to do anything. But that Palo in there, he's too dumb He's not the boss, and the whole road isn't in on it. Hey, truck's turning, coming down this way. Okay, take it easy. They can't see us. Hey, Cy, tell me something quick, will you? That siding where you stopped last night, how far south is it from Elmo Junction? What? 32, 33 miles. Only what in time? Hey! Yeah, that's no truck. Mr. Sertok's car. Miss Brooks. Well, they were starting to look for you. They was worried. Come on, on, run. Well, they're getting out of the car. Run, I said. Get back in, Sertok. Keep your motor running. George! What's going on out here? Get in there, I said. They see me. Those men seen me, Valentine. Get in, get in, all of you. You too, Cy. Come on. From here on, it's a job for the sheriff, Mr. Sertok. A bright boy on your railroad has been making a little money on the side, that's all. What? Get the car turned around. Hey, there! There they come. They won't hurt us as long as we got the boss along with us, will they, Cy? Now, you see here... Cy, last night you had piping hot coffee on the stove, and it tasted good. Apparently, it hadn't been boiling. But you claim you'd been asleep since Elmo Junction, 33 miles. A good hour or more of this run. Hey, Cy! But a fire would have burned down in that time. So you were really awake, Cy. Yeah, it was you that slugged Lefty that put Palado watching 418 in case I came snooping around. You dropped off just now to make sure the final load went through all right. Hey, what's the matter? Hey, stop! Joe, they got me! Oh, no, you don't, Buster. This thing I took away from Palo was no harmonica. Hey, stop it! Hang on, everybody. We're getting away from here. Now relax and don't look so lonesome, Cy. We'll be back to meet your friends very shortly. You know something? I sure would like to know what's behind all this falderall of freight cars with hot boxes and stuff. Now, we know that old Cy was behind it all, but why? Well, maybe if we listen to this a minute, we'll find out why. That's it, Valentine. They got the last one. Boy, everything loaded in that truck from contraband to stolen goods. All headed for Mexico for sale, huh? Yeah, but what about Paolo? Oh, he's all right. Came out of that bump on his head. So mad it's Cy for getting him into this. All right, it's done now. It's not important. It's what? Now, Mr. Foster, when I find one of my own employees... Calm down, Sir Tuck. The uh, sucker here still wants to buy it. He... It loses money, you know. What else is money for? I like railroads, don't you? Well, if there was any other business in the... Well, all right, Mr. Foster. Come over to my car. We'll talk business. Okay, step on the starter, Angel. We'll stick to the highways. (laughs) Yes, George. Hey, uh, that guy, Paolo, thought you were, uh, kind of cute. Huh? Oh, George. Yeah, but he didn't have anything that I haven't got. Yes, George? Listen. Oh, no. Poor Brooksy. Here she was, all set for some sweet talk only to get some sour music instead. 
Say, I'll bet you if George took Brooksy for a moonlight ride in a canoe, he'd bring his fishing pole along. Oh, well. All of which brings us down to the fact that Robert Bailey stars as George Valentine with Virginia Gregg as Brooksy. The story was written by David Victor and Jackson Gillis with music by Eddie Dunstetter. Now this is yours truly inviting you to another visit with Valentine when you will again hear what happens when you let George do it. Welcome back. Now, it should be noted that we played these in the original order of their West Coast airing. However, this was actually much earlier in the syndication run. So this is why the local host is a bit more chatty than we heard in previous episodes. I guess... If anyone complains about my commentary, at least I'm not inserting it in between commercial breaks. In terms of its original air date over the Don Lee Mutual Network on the West Coast, this is the latest we episode we have with Bob Bailey starred in Let George Do It. Two weeks after the stand-in, which aired on November 17th of 1952. We don't actually know when Bob Bailey's role in Let George Do It came to an end. Although, if I were to guess, I would assume somewhere before the end of summer 1953. But again, that's just a guess. This show also featured a noted radio voice in Earl Ross, who played Cy. Ross is best remembered for his longtime role on The Great Gildersleeve on NBC as Judge Hooker. Here we get to hear him in a story that's not technically a comedy where he gets to be on the other side of the law. For what it's worth, I actually like the harmonica. But then again, maybe that's because it reminds me of my grandfather, as he was a huge harmonica player. I think he gave us some harmonicas, but I have no musical talent at all. But I appreciate those who do, even with the harmonica. I also like the simple explanation. After some suspicion was thrown onto George's client, eh, you know, why would he want to buy this railroad, given that it doesn't make money? Because he says, I've got money and I want to buy something I love. A simple explanation, but it definitely works. Speaking of explanation, I did want to find out where the saying, that's no way to run a railroad, came from. I found some more modern articles that cited to a 1930s cartoon. However, they were being used to make political arguments, so I suspected that they might not be accurate. And I found an older post, this one, is from a bulletin board uh, back in 2004. So this is old. 
A 19-year-old bulletin board post might as well have a fossil record. However, it's cited to a physical book, which is now available on the Kindle. It is the Dictionary of Catchphrases, and this is the 1992 revised edition, a uh, revised updated subsequent edition, I should say, uh, written by Eric Partridge, and the original version was published back in 1976. But the phrase actually was not, that's no way to run a railroad, or that ain't no way to run a railroad. Rather, the original phrase is, what a way to run a railroad. And according to the dictionary, it is directed at more or mostly less organized chaos. Uh, it was U.S. and then it made its way across the pond to the U.K. And the origin was an American cartoon of the 1920s, a signalman coolly surveying a number of trains colliding beneath his box. However, in popular culture, it got transformed to that's no way to run a railroad, or, or in the vernacular of today's episode, that ain't no way to run a railroad. And by the way, if you, if you are curious about the book, I have included an affiliate link in the show notes. I found an on-point use of the phrase not too long after this episode aired in January of 1953. The Federal Express, which traveled from Washington to Boston, became a runaway train that ended up smashing into the station master's office. Thankfully, one of the employees of the station was watching the track, saw what was coming, got everyone out of the office, and no one on the train was hurt. There was a reporter for the Boston Globe, Francis Burns, on the, on the train. And again, nobody uh, died in the crash either at the point of the accident or on the train. But a passenger came up to one of the employees and was demanding her luggage. And she said, I can't help what happened. It's all your fault. I want my baggage. This is no way to run a railroad. And honestly, that would have been the best time ever to use that phrase. So I appreciated the passenger pulling that out. Listener comments and feedback now. And we return to our listener survey. And we have a comment from Mike who writes, I listen to the show every time that I walk my dog and, and count on it as an escape from the news of the day. Thanks, Adam. Thank you. Mike and Chris Rotts, truck driver here, love to download and listen back-to-back when out of service. These shows are a lifesaver out in the dead zones. Well, glad to keep you company there, Chris. And then I have a comment from Jan who writes, The show is my shower and dress buddy every day. I also listen to Volume 1 to catch up on my favorites, Sherlock Holmes, Poirot, and others I missed early on. Love the show. Well, thank you so much, Jan, and I appreciate you mentioning our Volume 1 uh, podcast. Brought back some great memories uh, recording the commentary for that. The Volume 1 feed uh, collects the first three seasons of The Great Detectives of Old Time Radio, and we'll be finishing that up in just a few weeks now. But the Volume 2 feed should be up 
next month, I'm hoping to get the first week of Volume 2 out the last week of Volume 1. For these feeds, I record commentary for each season. I finished recording the Volume 4 commentary, just need to put some finishing touches before I send it to Andrew to edit. Season 4, I'm beginning to realize, was such a pivotal season for us with us going through the Johnny Dollar five-parters for the first time and expanding to six days a week. So some good stuff ahead, and I hope you enjoy that as well, Jan. Now it's time to thank our Patreon supporter of the day. And I want to go ahead and thank Jonathan. Jonathan has been one of our Patreon supporters since August of 2022. Currently supporting the program at the detective sergeant level of $7.14 or more per month. Thank you so much for your support, Jonathan. And that will actually do it for today. If you are enjoying this podcast, I encourage you to follow us using your favorite podcast software. Please rate and review the podcast wherever you download your podcast from. Next Wednesday, Dangerous Assignment returns, but join us back here tomorrow as we continue our celebration of Bob Bailey with our next Yours Truly Johnny Dollar serial where... I suppose you tell me how it worked, Mrs. McLean. My husband's a doctor, Mr. Dollar. His name's Dave McLean. One night he had a patient come in, a girl. She was in pretty bad shape. She'd been drinking somewhere, and she just came in off the street, saw his shingle outside the office. I was there helping Dave as a receptionist. Dave took her into one of the examining rooms to see what the matter was. She had a heart attack. She died on the table. Well, there was nothing he could do for her. Nothing anybody could do for her. Mm -hmm. She died on the table, and then what? Dave came out and told me what had happened. We looked in her purse to find out who she was and where she lived. There wasn't anything but an address in Jersey City. No Los Angeles address? No. Her name was Teresa Corbett. She was from Jersey City, and that's all. Then what? Well, Dave called long distance to the place in Jersey City. It was an apartment. He talked to the manager there. I see. Go on. Well, uh, well Dave didn't say anything about Teresa Corbett being dead. He, well, he didn't have a chance, really. The, the manager was very upset. He told Dave that Teresa's mother had died very suddenly two days before said he'd been trying to locate her there in Los Angeles. Oh, he was very frantic. Well, Go on. It was just one of those crazy things. The, the apartment house manager was just about out of his mind. Teresa's mother had died in one of his apartments on his premises. He himself had, had assumed responsibility for the body. He didn't know what to do about a funeral or, or anything else. He told Dave that Teresa was all the old woman had in the world. Nobody else. And Teresa Corbett was dead in your office at the time. Yes. Well, Dave hung up. I, I didn't know what he was thinking at first. And, and then he said to me, we're in luck. Mm. I asked him what he meant by that. And, and he said that the girl who had died in our office didn't have anyone in the world and no one would know the difference. Then he told me we'd use her body. Just like that, huh? Yeah, just like that. He said it was the chance of a lifetime. I hope you'll be with us then. In the meantime, do send your comments to Box13 at GreatDetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives. And check us out on Instagram, Instagram.com slash GreatDetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.